This podcast is for your entertainment only and is not the place to find professional medical advice. Hey guys, Jamie here and welcome to the Sound of Hope podcast. This week I'm chatting with Kia and we talk about all things autoimmunity, inflammation, how diet affects inflammation in the body and the science behind autoimmune conditions. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this because it's super informative. I got a bunch of really good information out of this podcast and so I'm so excited to share it with you guys. So please stay tuned. I think you'll really benefit from this podcast. Hi Kia, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Jamie? Good, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today. We were just chatting beforehand about how it's been like a bit of a rough week for both of us and with yeah, COVID I think and all the things. Just a rough year for everybody. And we're just almost coming up on the first, the end of the first month. So everyone's hanging in there, I think. And I think it's also okay to acknowledge that we're all just kind of hanging in there. Um, but yeah, it was nice talking to you a little bit before about that and getting on that personal level. Yeah, totally. And I was saying to you before, full moment of transparency and vulnerability. Today for me is a cry day. So <laughs> after this podcast, I will probably take some time and cry, potentially on the floor, on my bed. It's just one of those days where you wake up and you're like, I need to cry today. <laughs> yeah, and it's totally okay. It's actually um, Bell Let's Talk Day in Canada. Um, where we talk about mental health and it's kind of ending the stigma. So yeah, we're all about talking about that and saying it's okay to cry. It's okay to talk yeah. about those things too. <laughs> it's not only okay, it's healthy. Yeah. Which is that's awesome. True. Um, so let's get into our first segment of the podcast. Tell us about your pet peeve. Okay. So I know when you asked me about this, I have done a lot of thinking because it's like, oh, there's so many like little things that really just irritate me. So I'm kind of like a type, I'm not kind of like, I am a type A personality. So I like things the way I like them. So I'm like, oh, I could talk about this. I could talk about that. But when it came down to it, the thing that just really makes me go like, is, and it's going to be weird, but it's the uh, kitchen sponge. So, you know, the sponge you wash your dishes with or whatever. So I love wringing it out really well and leaving it out to dry. But my fiance doesn't understand that concept and he will leave the sponge in the bottom of the sink still wet and gross. And when I walk by and I see that, like I could just, I just want to just like scream. Like, I don't know. It just really like, that's something that just irritates the heck out of me. And I bring it up all the time. He's like, Oh, well, why does it really matter? And it's like, it matters for so many reasons. And so that's the kind of one I could think of. But again, I have a huge list of just little things that I I could talk about, but that one always comes like, whenever I see it, it really gets my blood boiling. (laughs) Yes. I have those ones as well. I'm trying to think if I have any of like the cleaning ones. Um, I'll circle back if I can remember, but I understand. I'm actually probably more like your fiance, to be honest. <laughs> but because <laughs> um, I, I actually, it's so funny you said it because I don't actually like dry sponges. I think when they get really dry and crusty, and that crusty. grosses me out. Oh, that's, and that's what I want. I don't want it to be wet and soggy and oh. <laughs> this is just, and I love this, like differences in people and yeah what makes us what makes us just yeah go nuts (laughs) yeah well kind of circling into our next segment um one of the reasons why I got you on the podcast is you have an amazing account 
um, obviously, and you're an amazing person. And this whole, um, what I love about your account, what I love about what you're doing is from a super educated point of view, you're talking about the link between inflammation and chronic illness and auto, um, autoimmune conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I want to get you on the podcast to chat about that because a lot of us struggle with inflammation, autoimmune conditions, um, and it's a very complicated, complex issue, right? Yeah. Oh, so yes, yeah. Tell us, tell me a little bit about your background in in that space. Yeah. So and that's a good question, and that's how I was going to start um, anyway. Was because you're right. It's really hard to understand autoimmunity, and in current research, they don't understand it that well either. And it's because it's so complex. Our immune systems are so complex. And I've always been interested in the human body. I've always been interested in science. And my first degree was actually in medical science. And I did an undergraduate degree in um, physiology, human physiology. And then I went on to do a master's degree in physiology and pharmacology for the same reason. I was really interested in medical science and all of those things. And I was really interested in the human body. Um, And it was during my master's degree that I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis Mm. and I had my huge flare up and I was so stressed and I was like, what is happening to my body? And I was working a lot, like a lot, a lot of long hours and I was pushing myself and I was going through a lot of um, personal things in my family life that was happening. And I was just so stressed all the time. And I think that has a big trigger to why my autoimmune disease manifested Um, and through that, I ended up defending my master's, but it's when I fell in love with, with nutrition because I was digging, I knew how to read scientific literature from my master's degree training. I knew how to understand these things. And I just, I dug into the literature and I read so much about it. And I started learning about anti-inflammatory diets and I started learning about inflammation. And I started learning about, um, your microbiome and your gut. And then, that kind of led me to pursue the degree I'm in now, which is nutrition and dietetics. Um, and I'm in my final year of that degree. Um, so that's kind of like my background, I guess, of like why I love the science and why my, my, my page is so focused on um, the science. I love science. I think it's so interesting. And I definitely have that skill to break down the science so that everyone can understand it because yeah, it's not me. Yes, I love that. And here's what I love about that is um, a lot of us have in the chronic illness community are gaslighted by doctors, by scientists or whatever. But to have someone come into the community or who is part of the community that understands the science behind a lot of these things is I think it's so good because you bring that perspective of someone with a chronic illness. Um, and we need more of that. We need more of that in the, in the medical field because so many times doctors will look at someone with a chronic illness and be like, Oh, you have anxiety or you, Mm -hmm. because they can't see what the actual issue is. But then as a patient, it's like you, we all have thoughts and ideas around our own conditions, but let's be honest, half the time, it's not backed up by research or science, Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily bad, but it's what we feel. It's what we've experienced, which is also valid. Yes. Yeah. From a scientific, from a medical perspective, it's not valid. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's hard. And I think, I think the thing comes in that we don't know how to describe what's happening to our bodies. 
Yeah. And I know when I was going to the doctor and trying to navigate my diagnosis, I think part of the reason why I got my diagnosis in three months after my symptoms started, which is very fast, like comparatively to other people. But when I went into my doctor's appointments, I knew how to communicate with them. I knew, I knew terminology. I knew how to describe what was happening. I had documented my symptoms because of my science background. I wanted to show them like a lab book, you know, like here's a lab book. This is what's happening to my body. I like, and I think that really helped me in communicating with the doctor, how I felt, because I knew the words to describe it, where I think a lot of people, we just don't know how to make, like how to describe what's happening to our body. Because when you feel pain all over, you're just like pain everywhere. That's what I feel. But how do you communicate that to a doctor so that they take you seriously? Yeah. And that's one of the big questions because not everyone has a science background, right? Not everyone has that. Even myself, like I'm just now four years later, getting to the point where I can feel comfortable talking about my health, my limitations, communicating with people. And then also on top of that, still feeling like I'm a valuable person, despite my limitations. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like this whole thing, but you're so right. It, it, I think it also comes down to communication. And I, um, once I kind of figured out my diagnosis, when I saw doctors, it was like, as soon as I caught a hint of being gaslighted, I moved on Mm -hmm. and I saw people that actually listened to me and helped me. But yeah, it's this whole complex issue. And again, I'm so glad that you're in the community and we need more of that. I I have another friend who's based in Sydney. She's an exercise physiologist. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Or she's studying to be an exercise physiologist and she's, she has chronic migraines and she's amazing because she's bringing that science. She's around exercise to the community. And it's from a Mm -hmm. scientific, very educated point of view, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just your experience. And again, that's also fine because that's what I share myself and that's what a lot of people share so well, yeah the experience is so important too because that's what resonates with people because then when you start sharing your experiences someone's like oh that's how I felt but I I didn't know I was feeling that way so I think yeah communicating even our experiences are a huge part of it too and very valid yeah exactly and so let going back to the inflammation sort of side mm-hmm. of things in your background at that what it, what's the link between gut health and autoimmunity yeah so this is kind of where I really fell in love with the science and where I really fell in love with the nutrition with the nutrition piece um, is through the gut health and a lot of research is emerging in this area because they're starting to figure out that your gut has a huge role to play in your overall health it has a role to play in your mental health it has a role to play in physical health, like all of those things. And it's interesting because those who are, they're not sure, the research isn't sure. It's kind of like, think of a chicken or the egg, what came first? Those who are diagnosed with autoimmune diseases present with um, like uh, what they kind of call is like leaky gut or they have an imbalance in their microbiome. Yeah. But they're not sure if the imbalance in gut bacteria causes autoimmune diseases or if autoimmune diseases are causing the imbalance in the gut. So they don't know which one is which, but they do know that when you can contribute to balancing your gut health and really improving that that balance of good and bad bacteria in your gut, you can have less inflammation and you can experience um, like decreased symptoms of autoimmunity. 
So I just became really interested because it's like, well, how do we, how do we fix our guts then? If, if that's how we can help ourselves add one more layer of care, it's not a cure, but it's another layer of care that we can take and it's through our diet. And that's, that's why I kind of went back to school because I was like, there's no one really talking to us. No one talked to me about diet when I was diagnosed and what a sustainable approach looked like. And so I said, we need this in our community. So I just decided to go back to school and be that person in this community. And there's other reasons why I wanted to go into nutrition and dietetics as well for um, diabetes specifically from my First Nations background too. So I had just lots of factors that are like, this is the path you need to pursue. And so that's why I went back to school is kind of learning all about this gut health and the science behind it and nutrition um, yeah. there. Find it so interesting. Yeah, it it is interesting. And so I'm um, like, have so many questions about this. Yeah. First two questions: Do they know what causes leaky gut and in autoimmune conditions? So they obviously don't know which is triggering the other, but do they know what causes one or the other? No, and that's it's 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 not so simple. It's not like this is what causes it. This it's it's. Yeah kind of factors um so you're always going to see a genetic component a lifestyle component and then like a, a like a diet component or that so what it is is we all are born with a set of genes and those are like your dna it's what you're born with and they kind of are programmed to be a certain way but certain genes are turned on and off but your environment has a big influence for whether those genes are turned on or off or not. So with autoimmune disease, you might have yeah. a gene that is going to express your autoimmune disease, but in order to be turned on, you need something in your environment to happen. So something like being exposed to toxins or viruses yeah. or um, stress, trauma, those things, um, like a really poor diet, um, and or the, the gut health um, comes into there, but it's and that's what it is. It's it's kind of all of these factors coming into one, and it's not just one factor. And the same for your gut health is an imbalance in your gut health is it's it's triggered by stress, lack of sleep, and you know uh, mental health, and all of those different things. Those lifestyle factors all can come into play with that. So yeah, it's not just one thing. It's always kind of like the three the three: your genetics, your environment, your diet, your lifestyle. Yeah. Things, yeah. And so it sounds like with the gene can be activated or turned on, right? Mm. Can it be turned off once it's been turned on? Um, so once it's it's not, it's kind of like our diseases, right? Once we have an autoimmune disease, it's it, we can't cure it. But the goal of treatment for autoimmune diseases is is to get into remission, and that's through conventional medicine and a lifestyle approach. Um, and so that would be remission, but you still have your disease. Okay. So that's how I can describe it. Yeah. That's really interesting. And the, a very educational understanding, like the different factors and, um, yeah. Wow. Mind blown. Um, so <laughs> it's a lot of science I know. So I hope that no. I didn't like overwhelm or confuse because sometimes I get really excited and then my brain and I turn into a nerd and. No, well, here's what I've learned I, as well in my journey is knowledge is power. So the more we're educated about and about our conditions and what's behind that, the better. And even if that does mean like really scientific kind of jargon or that mm -hmm. it's something like, oh, my disease can't be cured, but it can go into remission, which 
which is awesome. Like mm-hmm. that's such a, like if we know that our disease can go into remission, like that's such a massive thing. So what in, next question, the what is the role of diet in chronic pain going off of what you just said? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not an expert in this. So I have to put that out there. And I'm currently, I'm just a student as well in nutrition and dietetics. So um, what it is, is like, I have the understanding of it and your diet is used to, it can be used to help balance your microbiome and foods have certain properties as well. There's, there's um, some evidence that suggests certain foods are pro-inflammatory and certain foods are anti-inflammatory. There's also evidence to show that these foods promote gut health and these foods can cause that imbalance in your gut health. And what the whole role of like kind of what nutrition is, is that's that layer of care. So we're going back to like the remission, what, what conventional medicine is, is to put you in remission. It's that aggressive treatment to turn down your immune system from attacking your body. But then after that, diet is that complementary piece. It's not meant to be a cure. It's not meant to replace conventional medicine. It's meant to be used in combination. So you yeah. can think about it as conventional medicine is going to put you in remission and it's going to make you to live a long life diet then is what's going to make you thrive. It's what's going to, you can, you know, they've seen once you clean up the diet, then you can have like patients were seen to have lower doses of medication needed or stuff like that. They feel better. And there's just, there's certain things you can do that do that. And I find what I find is really interesting is the gut health piece of it is like what foods feed are good bacteria because what our bacteria eat in our guts, then they produce metabolites and those are compounds and those compounds go into our body. And a lot of those compounds can be anti-inflammatory. Um, so if you think about one of a really good thing is fiber. So fiber is what feeds your gut bugs. Your gut bugs love to eat fiber. So when you eat fiber, they're super happy. They're dancing around and they produce what's called short chain fatty acids. And those are anti-inflammatory and your body takes those up. They're cardioprotective. They promote good health. So we want to, we want to feed those good, good, good bacteria. So they're like a party in our gut. They're helping us out um, as well. So that's kind of, I know I, I go off on little tangents here. So always no, you can rain. No, no, no. That's good. Going off crazy. No, I love that. And I just have a question because um, you talk about diet and conventional medicine. Um I have a question because I have talked to so many people in the community and I've had this experience myself. I love, like, I think conventional medicine is so important. Mm -hmm. In my journey, conventional medicine failed me. (laughs) Does that make sense? And I don't want to like, I'm not against it. I'm, I'm more in the, in the train of like, that works for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people need to take medication and it's so good. But then there's the camp where conventional medicine doesn't work. Like, for example, I react to the majority of pharmaceuticals. So Mm -hmm. I guess, do you feel that non-conventional or naturopathy has a role in the chronic illness journey? And sorry if I'm putting you on the spot. I'm so keen to hear your opinion on it. No, this is a great question because I think about this all the time. And well, for one, I resonate a lot with what you say is your body just doesn't like medication and neither does mine. So 
when I was first diagnosed, they started me on methotrexate and hydroxychloroquine. And two months after being on that, my body did not like methotrexate. I got very sick. And so I was taken off. I was put on sulfosalazine. Body didn't like that either. Um, so I had to be taken off that medication. And that's where I was like, there has to be something else. What else can I do to compensate for my body not liking medication? And even my rheumatologist yeah. said, she's like, your body is just sensitive to medications. And that's kind of where my opinion is, is that, you conventional medicine is needed like those those drugs are needed and stuff but at the end of the day it comes down to what's best for the patient and it's yeah. supposed to, or it should be patient-centered care and that's what I stand very firmly on is there's this thing where if a patient doesn't believe a medication is going to work chances are it's not going to work um, that has been shown in research studies that um, like your belief to how the medication will affect you impacts how it will actually affect you if you don't believe it's going to work it's not going to work wow at the end of the day you need to do something that it works with your beliefs and your morals and your values um and it's actually naturopathy naturopathic medicine is increasing so the number of people seeking out naturopathic medicine is huge and i think it's very huge in the chronic illness community because it's for the same reason our medications come with a lot of side effects and before I actually came on this podcast, I was just reading a paper and it was about developing the itis diet and how they opened the research paper, the research study was saying that patients with rheumatoid arthritis, because it was specific to that population, they're looking for alternatives because their medications come with so many side effects. Yeah. And so I think that what's important is to raise that awareness in our community and especially in the medical world. And that's part of mine is I want to advocate for more more focus on nutrition, more focus on that prevention and complementary thing in conventional medicine so that they're better intertwined. It's that integrative holistic approach. Um, but I hear it all the time and I'm sure you do too. It's that we want something else. We yeah. don't want to just full of drugs. We don't want to just try another drug. Like what else is there? And I think we need to be, we need to be educated on what is best for us because often when you know, I've seen so many spoonies, they go out on their own and they just start trying, you know, random things that don't are not backed by evidence that could potentially hurt them, but because they want something else, but nobody's there to educate them on these things. And that's where yeah. you need to be the right professional for it um, so that you don't do any harm. So, well, and you make sorry, such I'm a good point. It. No, it's good. You make it such a good point because, um, and this is an issue that I experience. Like if you look at a lot of Americans, for example, that live with chronic illness, I don't know what it's like in Canada. I know it's a little bit better in Australia, but even here, seeing a naturopath isn't covered by insurance or Medicare. Mm -hmm. And so then there's like this whole component, this stress of like, okay, I'm going to try all these things because I don't actually have the money to see a naturopath who has that experience in the different supplements to be yeah. able to give me the right combination of, of supplements. Because when I saw my naturopath in the U S I, she gave me a heaps of supplements, but she, she said, here's how much you take of this. Here's what time of day you take mm -hmm. and make sure you don't take this with this and all of that sort of thing. So it's definitely a massive thing that if, if we can move like they have more of this integrative approach yeah. that could be so helpful for people in the chronic illness community. Yeah. And that's covered and bring up. Yeah. 
that point that you brought up that it's it's not covered a lot of the the naturopathic or complementary alternative medicines is what they're called is it's not covered so that's what patients want or that's what spoonies want that's what we want but it's not covered and that's a huge it's not accessible and that's where i think more advocacy needs to happen and just more more access to these things um just to improve the quality of life and there's there's so many disadvantages that um, are weird. We have to overcome being someone with a chronic illness, but we're always yeah. advocating for ourselves, always. And that's, it's, it's tough because we're exhausted just to begin with, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, and what's, I think what gets to me personally is now that I'm on kind of the other side of my chronic illness, even though I still struggle with chronic pain, I don't have the chronic fatigue anymore. So I'm looking back at my past self who was very unwell, totally new to everything. And I'm just thinking, what if she had someone like me or someone like you that she could listen to this podcast and she could be part of this community and, and realize that she had a voice and that it was okay to be unwell. And it was okay to communicate that because half the people in my life didn't realize I was sick. Like I was that bad. They thought I was being lazy and there's part of the issue with that is lack of awareness. Part of the issue is that I didn't know how to communicate. Part of the issue is that I should have just been seen by the people around me. They should yeah. have tried to understand. Yeah. So there's like, it's like not anybody's fault necessarily, but it's like, yeah, it's like we're here for the people because we have a level of awareness and a level of understanding and energy, right? To yeah. to, to have this advocacy and... So we're here for the people that can't. Does that make sense? No, it makes it makes perfect sense. And I love what you said about I, I just want to be the person I didn't have because that's yeah. that's exactly why I run my page on Instagram. That's that's why I'm pursuing my degree is I don't want someone to go through the confusion, the loneliness that I went through. I want to be be that person who I didn't have, you know, so that even if I help one person not become in that place that I was, then that's, that's good. That's good enough for me. I lived a good life, you know? So. Yeah, totally. Oh, I feel so inspired right now (laughs) by like both of us. (laughs) We just need the whole community coming to, coming into this podcast with us and yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I love this. Um, just circling back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of gut health, I did have a question that came up um, while you were talking. Yeah. And one that is, um, okay, and this is a little bit random, prebiotics versus probiotics. Do you know much about that? I do know quite a bit about that, yes. So, okay, so yeah. um, the reason why I'm asking is because I've actually heard this whole prebiotics versus probiotics. What is the difference? <laughs> Yeah. And what it, what's the difference in, um, like, is it worth taking probiotics and prebiotics? How does that affect gut health, et cetera? Yeah. So I have like really simple explanations for this that I think will help a lot of people understand it because it's confusing, especially I think recently within the past few years, everything's probiotics, probiotics, this probiotics, that 
you know, and it confuses us because it's like, should I be taking that? I don't know. Like it's no one talks about what it actually does. So a probiotic is the bacteria. So if you take a probiotic, it's the little bugs, they're traveling in. And the whole point is you want to get them to flourish in your gut. So prebiotics then are the food and it's coming back to that piece I talked about in the beginning, which is it's fiber. That's what your good, your bacteria like to eat and it's your good bacteria. So you want to feed those good bacteria with prebiotics and prebiotics, all prebiotics are fiber, but not all fiber are prebiotics. So that's kind of the confusing piece, but it, it coming back to that kind of garden analogy, if you're taking a probiotic, but you're not feeding those gut bacteria with prebiotics, the probiotics just die. They don't thrive. Okay. It's like your garden. You can plant flowers in your garden, but if you don't water them and you don't give them soil, they're just going to die. So it's more important to focus on the prebiotics than the probiotics. And okay. probiotics, they're not, they're not supposed to be taken long-term. And the other thing that research has shown is that when you're taking a probiotic and you're taking it and you stop, your gut goes, your gut bacteria go back to how it was before um, taking that probiotic. Um, so okay. I always like with the world of dietetics, we always focus on food first. There are certain illnesses that benefit from probiotics, mm. uh, like a lot. But the thing with probiotics is they're specific to person and disease state because each person has a unique microbiome. My gut bacteria are different than your gut bacteria. It's like our fingerprint. Every person has different um, microbes floating around in their gut. And uh, we need a probiotic that's kind of individualized to us and our condition. So that's where it gets really confusing. But everybody responds to the same prebiotic fibers. So the best thing you can do to nourish your gut health is focus on prebiotic fibers because then those feed the good bacteria. The good bacteria then produce metabolites that are anti-inflammatory and gut healing. And they create a stronger gut. And that can that can be one part of decreasing your inflammation. That's so good. I'm glad I asked that question. Yeah, yeah. Even with the probiotics, like I, I did take them when I was quite ill. I don't take them anymore. Um, because it gets expensive as well. If you if you want a good probiotic, it's very expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really educational. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm very um, like I love I love all things gut. So. <laughs> yeah. So prebiotics in the form of fiber, which would be, what what's an example of that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, good examples are like onions, garlic. Um, those are prebiotic fibers, um, uh, artichokes, Jerusalem artichokes, um, are prebiotic fibers. Um, and it's a lot of your, um, like your FODMAP foods. Um, a lot of those, which are, um, kind of irritants to people with IBS or irritable bowel syndrome, um, are prebiotic fibers. Um, so it can sometimes be difficult for those people and it, it's all it's very confusing and that's where you need to get to work with the dietitian to figure out those intolerances and help you figure out what those sensitivities are um but yes there's a there's a, a few prebiotic fibers with the onions and the garlic are um really good ones and i'm kind of just drawing a blank right now um on other ones the artichokes 
this is what happens when you have so much going on in your brain. But yeah, so there's lots of prebiotics. Oats are a great one. Oats are a good one. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Wow. I'm just like, I feel so good. And this kind of leads into our next sort of point, which is this idea that um, knowledge is power, which we kind of touched on earlier in the episode is like, how, what's, what are your thoughts around using knowledge as power to embrace your chronic illness? Yeah. And this is, I'm glad this is a great way to kind of tie it up, I think. And it's kind of, is knowledge is power because the more you know about your disease, it, the easier it becomes to describe what's happening to you. And it's, it, it also allows you to kind of take back control. So like with myself, when I went back to school and studied nutrition and because of my degree and I dug into all the scientific literature, I was able to equip myself with knowledge. And what that knowledge did was it gave me understanding. And once we understand something, it's not as scary. And because there's less unknowns about what's happening to us. And it also allows us to make choices. So making an informed choice where I was like, every day I wake up, I can make choices that either decrease my inflammation or increase my inflammation. I can every day make choices that I know will trigger a flare or not, but it all comes from a place of empowerment. And, you know, maybe my favorite thing is to, you know, enjoy pizza on a Friday night for date night with my fiance, but I know that, okay, this contains foods that are gonna make me trigger. That's okay. I'm, I'm empowered in that. I'm gonna make that decision. So if the next day I'm not feeling well, I know I made that choice. And so that's kind of like the knowledge is is like knowing your triggers, knowing what sets you off, knowing, knowing your boundaries. So when you push them, you have that knowledge of empowerment. Well, I chose to make that choice. That's why I feel this way. That's okay. You know, or you're like, I have something important the next day, so I'm not going to make that choice. So the more you listen to your body and you get knowledge about what's happening to it, you can make choices and more informed choices and it it just that's what made it easier for me so I don't know I don't know if that resonates with you at all but um that's kind of my point of no it totally does and how would you how did how do you go about getting knowledge and kind of educating yourself about your own condition so the science I always go to the science um first um so that's where I'll do a literature search if I'm, okay, I want to know what this food does or what's the latest on anti-inflammatory diets because it's always changing. I'll dive into the literature and I'll do that. Um, and that's more from just my training and my master's degree to do that. But the other thing is listening. I like to listen. So I've learned a lot from listening to other people's stories and that's on all yeah. forms of media, podcasts, Instagram, Facebook, I just listen to slept. I want to hear their experience to see, okay, how are they dealing with this? Uh, what's happening to them? Because a lot of times I'll hear someone say something. It's like, I felt that, but I never really brought that awareness to feeling that way. So the knowledge is just listening to others. And there's so much power in just listening. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I've mentioned this before as well. Um, when I l- was living with chronic fatigue, I it, there was not a lot of podcasts or anything around chronic fatigue syndrome. And this was around four years ago. 
And so I went onto this dodgiest website with just like this, like video, like an embedded audio file into the website page about different people on a phone conversation talking about how they recovered from chronic fatigue syndrome. And I listened to that. And at the time I was in the US, I think I listened to someone in the UK, someone in Australia and someone like a couple of people in America or something. And I remember thinking, this is the only like this is the only information I found on the whole entire internet that talks about people recovering from chronic fatigue and what they did. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, knowledge is power, experience is power, sharing your experiences is power. And I love I I love this conversation. I love what you're saying and thanks so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me. I was super excited when you reached out cuz it's like this helps me too helps me better be a better communicator as well so it's only you're making me better as a person just by having me here win-win <laughs> um do you have any recommendations for the community around like what you're reading at the moment watching listening to yeah so um currently like honestly I think the best thing that I'm doing right now is there's this great chronic illness community on TikTok um, I don't know if you're on TikTok or not, but it's like, oh. it's, it's booming. It's like up and coming. And I find that it's been very raw, um, people who are sharing their stories. And I've come across a lot of accounts who they're more just documenting their chronic illness. And you kind of get to see a little snippet inside of their life. And yeah, wow. a lot of it's bringing me back because I've been in remission for quite a while now. And like, I have my, I call like mini baby flares every once in a while, but I do, I do pretty well. And sometimes I forget what that first year and a half of my diagnosis was like. I forget how awful it felt. I forget how much I was chasing that light at the end of the tunnel kind of mentality. And hearing those stories bring me back to that place and remember why I'm doing the work I'm doing, how it feels to be like that. And what are the needs of the community so that I can focus my attention there as well. Um, so that's one of the, my my places. Um, and then my other thing is I've been really into listening to um, like gradful, gratitude and mindfulness podcasts. I don't have like a specific one, but every day I've just been searching up one when I walk um, my dog in the afternoon. And it just reminds me to practice a little gratitude, practice a little mindfulness because uh, mindfulness, pra practicing mindfulness decreases inflammation. And that's that's proven in research, hot, hot topic right now. So that's what I've been trying to incorporate more in my life is more mindful practices throughout my day. Um, so those are that's kind of my little, what I've been doing. Yeah, wow, thanks for sharing. And on with TikTok, how do people get like, Get involved with the community in there is it would it just be through a hashtag or yeah through it would be through the same thing as kind of instagram is is hashtags and so if you're like new to tiktok and you go on there you can go to the little it's like a discover page and then you just search like the it's chronic illness or you can search autoimmune diseases and then you can favorite the hashtags and then it will start showing you all these accounts and then the more you interact with those accounts the more it will show you them on tiktok yeah, which wow. i really um, and yeah, I've seen so many and everyone is just so, so I find so genuine on there where with Instagram, I sometimes feel it's like a highlight reel. Like even, even in the chronic illness community, sometimes I feel like it's not a super real and raw. Like sometimes it's a lot of curated content. 
Um, not always, like there's, there's people who are really good at bringing that raw aspect, but I find it's even more raw and real on, on TikTok where it's a real look into it and it's not someone's highlight reel. It's more look into, okay, like what, yeah. what what's happening behind the camera, even though it's through camera, but yeah, yeah. I know it's kind know. of, yeah, but check it out. It's kind of cool. It's, it's, it's been a new thing for me for the last like month or so, and I've really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'll have to check it out. Well, thanks again for coming on the podcast and um, we'll make sure put all this information for those listening in the show notes and link Kia's profile on Instagram. Go follow her. She's amazing. So many resources, so much gold in her, in her Instagram and also your TikTok. We'll link your TikTok account. Yeah, sure. They're the same. They're the same handle. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. I've had so much fun and this was great talking to you today. Thanks for listening to the Silent Folk Podcast. If you want access to show notes, go to chronicope.org, where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And make sure to follow us on our Instagram at chronic underscore hope. See you next week. All these